Hey, good evening to everyone who has chosen to spend their Monday night on our YouTube channel instead of watching Clemson and Duke. So we do appreciate you joining us on the final day of college football opening weekend extravaganza here on State of the Tigers brought to you by James Carlton State Farm Insurance. There you see it right there. CarltonInsurance.net is where you find James on the web. That's me, Gabe DeArmond, and we want to get you in touch with James Carlton to A, save money on your insurance. That's the most important thing. You get in touch with James. He's going to do the best he can to get you a good deal, save you money, auto insurance, life insurance, whatever it is you need. He's also, if you get a quote from him, you mentioned this show, he's going to donate $20 to every True Tiger Foundation, Mizzou's NIL collective of choice. And then that makes more money. Missouri gets more players. You guys are happier. Everything works out. So get in touch with James at carltoninsurance.net. 314-961-4800 is the phone number. We're going to bring Gerard Hamilton onto the screen now. We have had a few days off. Uh, it seems like Missouri played a long time ago. The advantage of opening on Thursday night is that you get Saturday to sit around and watch college football. The disadvantage of opening on Thursday night is we have two extra days to break down every possible thing about a game against an FCS opponent that really probably didn't actually reveal a whole lot. Yeah. Well, for the first part, I enjoyed my Saturday. I didn't get to watch much college football early on. I had some errands to run, but I did get to see the UNC South Carolina game, like a little bit of that um, before I inevitably just crashed because mm -hmm. did I tell you what time I went to bed Friday morning? No, I forgot. So Friday morning, I was the last person in the stadium to leave. So I was around like 2.30. Uh, right. When I finished grades, it was probably like 4.30 because I just took a little break to like relax for a second. I went yeah. to bed at 5.04. And then uh, my girlfriend, she wanted to get a breakfast or something when her friends go to the farmer's market and stuff like that. So it was just like a long, it was a long couple of days. So Saturday I crashed yeah. early. I crashed early. And uh, I just basically watched the condensed version of the South Carolina uh, UNC game Sunday morning. And then I actually watched LSU Florida State. Like that was the game I got to see. Now you're back. Well, look, in the future, if you're still awake at 504, just fight through, man. Just don't go to bed until you just make it all the way through. Oh, no, no, no. <laughs> I, need, I need all my Zs that I possibly can, can get so I can do shows like this because Gabe, I'll mess around and – I'm sorry, man. I forgot all about the podcast because <laughs> I'm dying over here. But um, yeah, I mean, as far as the, the the game from Thursday, I mean, you guys will see in my column tomorrow. There is, I can see why some of you guys are upset about some things. Then on the other hand, some of you guys are being over dramatic. Just just to be honest with you, um, so I kind of break down both of those things tomorrow in four down territory. But fun week, Gabe. Yeah, it was good. I uh, want to invite you guys to comments, questions, throw them up uh, in, the, in the chat. We'll get to them here as we go along. But uh, we do see all those, and and I'll get those up throughout the show. Um, so, yeah, like both things, like it's okay to be critical of that game. Like I've, I've had some conversations with with people on and off the record since the game, and like Everybody knows there were some issues in that game. There's no question. Like, it's okay to watch that game and think, eh, I, I'm not sold yet. 
Now, nobody's ended the season, right? And and it, Florida didn't look great. South Carolina didn't look very good. You know, um, there there's like I can't imagine that what you thought about this team before Thursday night that anything you really saw would change your mind. Like if you went in thinking seven and five, I don't think there's any reason to think five and seven, and I don't think there's any reason to think nine and three. Yeah, yeah. I mean, the only thing that probably changes is maybe a little bit of optimism. But if when you get all the optimism and I think we can do this, or maybe pessimism out the way, you like you said, if you thought you know six and six, seven and five, if that's where you were at, you've seen that maybe not exactly how you want it to, but that's what you you got. Nothing really different changed on that front. I mean, I mean, Thursday was always it was always a win in any scenario, whether that was two to nothing or ninety eight to six, it was a win. Now, look, it might not have been as pretty as you want, and I've been somewhat critical, especially offensively, and and I don't think it's unfair. Um, I still don't know if this is a better offensive team than it was last year. It might be, I just don't know it. So, you know, um, I, I again, like you said. I, I think we can see both sides. And Aiden says, I think the, the South Dakota game was a feel out game. And there's definitely something to that. I mean, to me, anytime you go into a game and your plan is to play two quarterbacks, like you already know, that's a little different game than, than most games. Right. I mean, if you're planning in the second half, we're putting in a different guy, a quarterback, then didn't you expect some, some kind of uh Herky jerkiness in that game, and especially when the other team keeps the ball for the first eight and a half minutes of the third quarter. Right. I mean, that and it's not just the quarterbacks. You're getting, you know, a lot of different people, some some different looks, especially some young guys. Now, not all the young guys got to be in there. You know, we didn't see uh, Jamal Roberts, who was someone, right. you know, we've been told they're high on. I, that was just something, you know, someone we expect to see. But there's a lot of definitely a lot of transfers who, who got in and out and got to make some cameos, stuff like that. But I mean, yeah, it's it's South Dakota. It's a Thursday night. I mean, this is all weird. Like non-conference mm-hmm. FCS team Thursday night game. You're gonna play two quarterbacks. Like none of that is, you know, normal. Even how you know we go through the week wasn't normal because we started on you know Sunday. So everything's a little bit out of whack. But I don't think you know blow the season up like anything right. like that. Right, but we'll at least wait till till after the Middle Tennessee game to do that. No question. Finish strong wants to know if is drink going to keep giving backs three consecutive carries all season long. So here was one thing that I didn't love. Uh, why, why we got twenty five touches for Cody Schrader in this game? I mean, I get it. Get him out there, and and he had a good game. Like he's your starting running back. Had the best game of any running back in the last two years, actually. But he's in the fourth quarter. He's playing in the fourth quarter of that game. Why? Yeah, I don't. I I don't get that uh, as far as why he and but like Pete had maybe seventeen touches because something like that, and only like forty eight yards out of him. Like didn't get a lot out of it. Uh, he did better in the receiving game. I think he had like three for fifty or something like that, and then. Rushing was like 14 for 52. So, I mean, it was all right. Get the running back some love, I guess. But like I said, I don't get why, you know, Jamal Roberts or you know, even Tavoris Jones at that point. I don't know why they didn't they didn't get some looks. But I think it was okay as long as they produced and Cody Schrader produced. So it's not like yeah. you can really be mad that he was getting – he got four of the first eight touches. 
he made something out of him. He had that big run, something we haven't seen him be, be able to do, except that that you know that one run versus Georgia. We haven't seen him do that or get out to the outside and make as many defenders miss. So you know, it was something. But look, he had he had two thousand yards at Truman State. I know he can have big runs against FBS teams or FCS teams. <laughs> uh, fair enough. He was in his old stomping ground, I guess. I guess. Yeah, exactly. That was that was comfort level. And, and look, I don't mean to – I mean, I actually – here's one thing that I did change my mind about. I went into that game thinking Nate Pete would eventually be Missouri's starting running. Now, that's Cody Schrader's job all year. He's the best running back on the team. Yeah. Mm, I, I mean, because, there, like, but... every, every time – you know, Schrader had 148 yards and Pete was – I don't think he had a 10-yard run all night. I I personally can't remember, but um, I just think the biggest thing for, for Pete is just getting his confidence up. I mean, as long as if he feels he if they feel he can contribute and he's not worried about you know making a you know a wrong move or whatever, there was a one little end around or something where I was just like, ah, Pete back on it again, but it ended up being Luther. Um, right. as long as he's not doing any of those, you know dancing behind the line of scrimmage going backwards or obviously fumbling the ball, you know, I think he'll be all right. Yeah. Offensive line. I, I thought it was good. Right. Yeah. I don't, yeah. I, I mean, Brady cook got sacked once other than yeah. that. I don't really mm-hmm. remember anything. Yeah. I think uh, back to the PFF grades, I want to say four of the top six players were linemen and the yeah. one lineman you expect to be in there. Armand Mimbu was not one of them. So, and if that's the person who's not in it, they'll be okay. Like if Cameron and Xavier and Connor seen me put uh, put something in the forum earlier, it was like Javon and maybe Connor were like top yeah. ten of uh, PFF in grades country, and, yeah. and oh top five in the country. I mean that's a hell of a game. Xavier Delgado was actually one of Missouri's. Like they tweeted, he was one of their players of the game. So I mean, yeah, they did they did their thing. There was a they had a, a little handful of penalties, false start. Yeah, there was like a couple false starts, a holding on them. Um, but they they did what they needed to do. And these are one of those games where you say, like, you can't learn much about a team. But when you have a line that was that bad last year, you they this is what they needed to do. Like, it's not the fanciest thing. You wish it was Cook was the player of the game or whatever. But if your offensive line is doing what they need to do, I mean, I think they'll take that. Well, and I went back and looked at, like, what I said after the first game last year, after that Louisiana Tech game. And I, in there, I had said, uh, I think this offensive line is a problem. And it turned out it was all season long. So, it, like, they had gotten stuffed in short yardage a few times yeah. in that game. And there were a lot of tackles for loss. And you didn't see that last night. So that's good. That, that mm-hmm. That's that's definitely a step forward. Um, seeing some questions in here. So let's just get to this one. Javon Baxley says, if we're still doing the quarterback competition, then can we get both quarterbacks in the first half? So what do we think? Is he because like, look, I mean, I wrote right after the game. Everybody wrote right after the game. This was not some miraculous take on my part, but everybody wrote, yeah, there's no quarterback competition. I can tell. But do we think he's going to keep telling us and acting like there's a quarterback competition this week or not? Yeah, because they they should still win. Um, now, where Horn, I feel like it's going to be like, Versus the Vandy game last year, where he said Horn would get in right. if it was permitted. If this is a closer game than people expect, because I think the line is almost 21 points, and I think it'll be much closer than a 21 point Missouri win. If it's you know too close, maybe even 14 points, he's not going to sniff the field to me. 
And and that's why if I'm Drinkwitz, I get up PS Media Day at, at noon on Tuesday. If I'm him, I get up and the first thing I say is, look, based on fall camp, based on week one, Brady Cook is our starting quarterback. We're going to go forward. Brady is the starter. Now, Sam Horn needs experience. He needs to be on the field. We need to find opportunities to get him in the game. And so when the opportunity presents itself, we are still going to get Sam some reps in games. But you don't promise anything because then that way, like if you find yourself in a 20 to 14 game with Middle Tennessee in the third quarter, like you don't have to put Sam Horn in, right? If you go in saying, yeah, hey, they're both going to play, nothing's changed. And then the game's close. And you're kind of in this situation where, like, do we play him or not? If you don't, people are mad. If you do, well, what are you doing playing a guy that's quite clearly your second-string quarterback in a three-point game? You know, So that's why I'd say, like, again, I'm not angry about how he handled it. I don't feel lied to. I don't – whatever. None of it bothers me. But for those reasons, that's what I'd say tomorrow if I was him. Yeah, I mean, nothing – to be honest, I didn't know it was a thing. Until I read what you posted earlier that I guess maybe some people were, I guess, taken aback or felt some type of way that he said that. Some of the message board has been a bit unhappy. Yeah. To be honest, I don't expect any head coach to say anything different when they have decisions like this to make. Uh, It it doesn't matter what the media. I mean, now, usually they may say it in a nicer tone a little bit, but they all say the same stuff. We don't care what you guys say or it's bulletin board material or blah, blah, blah. Like. That went in one ear and out the other, to be honest. I mean, we're all about reading in between the lines, Gabe. <laughs> and in yep. between the lines, we we heard that, dang it, y'all, it looks like it's going to be Cook. When he gave Cook his flowers at the end of the presser, I was just like, well, seems like we know now for real. So Yeah. That's yeah. And, and look, he's it's like we said all summer. All you should want is the best quarterback to play. And mm-hmm. if that's Brady Cook, great go on with with Brady Cook and but but again I do think it's important that you get Sam Horn in football games like if you're up three touchdowns in the fourth quarter give Sam a drive if he wants to give Sam a drive in the second or third quarter I won't object to it you know um it's been a long time but Gary Pinkle would would frequently do that with Chase Daniel now people have a little bit of a faulty memory he didn't do it every game right like if if you're starting quarterback scores on his first two drives and it's 14-7 in the first drive of the second quarter, you might not yank that guy. You might let him go score again. You know, so game situation dictates it. But if they have chances to get Sam in, they should because, look, in the SEC, odds are Brady Cook's probably missing at least one start this year. Like, it usually happens. Yeah, I mean, he's going to need the experience and it's better – Better Horn has Horn has something to fall back on than nothing at all because uh, he'll be in for a really rude awakening whenever you know or if that moment comes. Yeah, no question. Um, all right, now David Dowell brings up a good point. I'm more concerned about Mevis than I am the QB situation. Hundred percent valid. Like, oh yeah, hundred percent valid. It's there's gonna be they played six games that were decided by one score last year. They're gonna play at least three or four this year. And, like, it sucks to have no idea if you can rely on those three points or not. That's crazy. Yeah, I think Mavis, his first two years, I want to say he missed five field goals total. Total. No, he missed, yeah. Okay, six last year. Now, I did, when I've been writing about, you know, uh, you know, the special teams, when I do write about them, he missed three 
only three field goals after the Auburn game. So from the rest of the year, he was 85%, which is good, including that Georgia game where he went five of five, had the 50 yarders and all that stuff. So, you know, he has it in him. Um, I don't know. I think FCS teams are, are his kryptonite because last year versus Abilene Christian, that was the first time he missed That's multiple right. field goals in a game. And so yeah. he did it again this year. Um, but also to kind of piggyback on Mevis, and we said it the other day after the after the game, that special teams line when they do the field goal, they got to fix that. I don't know if that's playing into part of maybe some of the misses where where the edges look like they can do it. But we we kept saying, you know, somebody somebody did say on the message board in response to that or on the post game show maybe that mm-hmm. a lot of teams do that by design. They leave the in the edge guy unblocked because he's too far away to get there, and that's fine. No, Except, I've seen that, but it feels like why does it feel like it's like interchangeable? He's going close either? to getting there. Yeah. It, it, yeah. It feels like we've seen on practice that I guess if we're looking at how Mevis is looking, the guy on the left end looks like he's always gonna block it. But this time, last game was the guy on the right end. And I don't feel like they changed anything about like I don't feel like Missouri changed anything about their formation. So why can people on either right. side be able to get this? We've seen KAD do it live in practice and then that one guy almost got it for South Dakota. So I, I don't know. There's a lot of things they need to fix. But, yeah, not having Mavis do his thing is – that's going to be tough. Well, and when he missed the 48-yarder, what, whatever. I mean, first of all, we both thought he made it. We were surprised. Oh, yeah. I, but, like, it's a 48-yarder. You, you're going to miss those some of the times, right? So that didn't really uh, kind of hit me at all but then he misses the 35 yarder and he misses the extra point and so i went back and looked this morning in his first two seasons he did not miss a kick under 40 yards like all of his misses were beyond 40 yards and now the last two years the problem is hey if you trot a guy out there for a 48 yard field goal you understand college kicker that's like a 60 70 percent proposition you're gonna miss some of them but 35 yarders man those can't be a question point afters that cannot be a question it's, I mean, kicker's name, Harrison. Harrison Bucker goes – Harrison Bucker has some of those, you know, where he just – I never have really worried about Harrison Bucker from 50. Give him an extra point. <laughs> it's right. a tie the game or something, and you just start thinking like, oh, I don't know. I hope. So, yeah. I mean, I wouldn't worry too much. And, and also to anybody saying Blake Craig, he's not ready. He's not ready. And that's no, no disrespect. Yeah. But we've seen him. He's not ready. He's got a strong leg, though. Super strong leg. But accuracy, I'm that's not it. That's not it. Not yet. Yeah. Um defense, I mean, I don't know. I got no issues with the defense. You got any issues with the defense? Uh some of them took some plays off. That secondary took some plays off. Like that, there's no way South Dakota should get a wide open touchdown. But overall, I mean, 28 to 3 at halftime, they had I think South Dakota had total 62 total yards in the first half and then 35 carries for 38 rushing yards. They held them to 10 points in the second fewest yards since Drinkwitz has got there. I mean, anything else would be really nitpicking. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I agree. So, so this is, I want to address this and I'm going to put a couple of these comments up because a couple of people have said it, but basically this is what happens after the first game of every year where you don't score 68 points or whatever. The immediate thing is, well, we knew we didn't have to call the good plays to beat this team, right? We're saving the good plays for week three. 
And I just don't really think that's a thing. Like, I'm not saying that they empty the playbook. Obviously, they have some wrinkles. They have some things that that they're not probably going to use against South Dakota. But, like, the basic offense was on – that is the basic offense. It's not like all of a sudden the concepts and the, the foundation of what they do is going to change because you just can't do that with college kids. You can't – Andy Reid can put in a whole new game plan every week. Nick Sirianni can put a new game plan. Can't do that with college kids, man. It's it's the same basic stuff every week. And so I, I know this because this is my 21st year, and all 21 years pretty much, it's like after the first loss, well, don't worry. You're not gonna see the you're not gonna see the touchdown plays for for a little while. And and I'm not like making fun of the question because I think there's a little bit to it, but I don't think there's a ton to it. Yeah, I mean, um, the offense, you would have liked for it to be more explosive. I mean, they, they should be – they're bigger, faster, stronger. Um, but another peek into to the column tomorrow, like my comparison I use is like David versus Goliath. I mean, sure, Goliath has all these physical attributes, but then he just got stoned right in the face. Like, and that's all that's to say, like, just because you can physically do something, what is logical about throwing up, you know, Hail Marys to a team? Like, you actually give South Dakota more of a chance to win. I don't think they would have. But you give them more of a chance to win if they know, like, you know they're going cover two and everything's going to be double covered and you're going to still throw it up. Because at the end of the day, and every football player would tell you, it's football at the end of the day. So just because they're South Dakota and they're wearing those jerseys, that don't mean they don't have anybody who can make a play on the ball. And if Brady Cook, you know, completes only, you know, 50% of his passes or he has an interception or two, are you really going to be okay with that and just be like, well, you know, he did what they what they asked him to do. He threw it up. Like, that doesn't really make any sense, really, if that's how they're playing defense. So, I mean, they did what they needed to do to, to get the win. And, and and I have heard some people say, and look, I, I'm not going to pretend I've gone back and watched the replay a lot of times. It was on at 2.30 on uh... – Thursday night when I was trying to go to sleep. So I saw the first like couple series, but after that, I, I haven't gone back and watched it. I've had people say that like there were a couple plays where there were guys open downfield, one for each quarterback, like on the the play, Sam Horn threw a pick. A lot of people have said Dannis Jackson's open for a touchdown if he throws. Oh, okay. And, and so, okay. You know, that'll happen sometimes, but you would like to see instances against a team like that, where it's just like, Oh, hey, that guy's 10 yards behind the entire secondary, you know, and, and um, mm-hmm. if if it happened, they didn't take advantage of it. Um, so, yeah. yeah, more explosive is is definitely a thing. Um, so next week's Middle Tennessee. And I want to take this time to tell you guys on Thursday afternoon, our second shows of the week are going to be on Thursday afternoons. We'll generally do kind of more of a, a preview of the opposing team. We're going to talk to uh, somebody that covers middle Tennessee this Thursday afternoon, but Aiden says this will tell this if this team is an eight or nine, one team or a five to seven, one team. And I don't agree. I mean, yeah, if they lose, maybe it does, but this is another one. Like this has to be a win. I mean, it just has to be a win. And if they do win this game, whether it's by six or by 60, I, I it's not going to change my prediction on the season by three games. Mm, yeah, no, it's not going to. Yeah, it's not going to make me go too far up or too down. I mean, it's just going to be a little bit more telling for the Kansas State game, really. Uh, like, and, and Middle Tennessee is actually, uh, they were eight and five last year. Um, 
something, and I only briefly got to, I was looking at some game notes earlier about Middle Tennessee. Um, over the last two years, they're second in the nation in takeaways. I think they have like 62 um, the last couple of years, and they didn't get none versus Alabama because it's Alabama. But that Missouri, I mean, they could play that. Unfortunately for them, they could play right into MTSU's hands, um, and that's interceptions and fumbles. I think it was like 25 interceptions to 37 forced fumbles, something like that. Like, it's not an average, you know, Conference USA team. Yeah, but I, I don't have the numbers in front of me. I don't know the number of consecutive passes, but I'm pretty sure Brady Cook's gone seven or eight games without an interception. Uh, Unless he had I've one in the bowl game. I've got to look, but he did finish the season strong. I can't I can't remember. I don't think he had one in the bowl game, but I'd have to look. But yeah, I know he didn't in the last five or six regular season games. Um, you know, and and he obviously didn't on uh on Thursday night. So so we talked at the beginning and, and real quick before we hit, hit kind of the, the home stretch here, I want to remind you guys this is brought to you every week by James Carlton. Carlton Insurance in Webster Groves. If you're a resident of Missouri, resident of Illinois, get in touch with James at carltoninsurance.net, 314-961-4800. Information scrolling across the bottom of the screen throughout for those watching on YouTube. Um, but if you're just listening, if you're on the podcast, 314-961-4800. Get in touch with James. Talk to him about a little Missouri. Talk to him uh missouri sports talk to him about insurance he's going to donate 20 bucks to the uh nil collective so before we uh get too far i just want to say that t rise doing his eli drinkwitz impression and he would let you date his daughter so uh, i don't i don't know if that's a, oh, i don't know if that's a compliment or we're going to have a creep show discussion again but i don't know what to say i guess i'm flattered yeah i think i, I think we just i think we just move on I from that. i think we don't say anything uh yeah <laughs> All right. So uh, so uh, it, we said at the beginning, right, it didn't change our outlook on the season. So, mm -hmm. I mean, if they go beat Kansas State, the path to seven is still very clear and the path to eight opens up. Right. Because Memphis is still a win. Mm -hmm. Vandy, like Vandy hasn't done anything to tell me that they're anything better than the worst team in this league so far. LSU, I understand they got boat raced. And so I think that there are going to be people saying, hey, maybe, maybe. Well, yeah, I mean, maybe, but it's LSU still good. Like LSU looked pretty bad against Florida State last year and it ended up being a good team. So LSU yeah. probably still a loss. Um, and then I don't know if I'm doing these necessarily in the right order after that, but like Kentucky, that's still another one of those, like, eh, probably be tough. Mm hmm. You know, um, the only things that changed for me from what I might have thought two weeks ago is Florida confirmed to me they're what you and I kind of thought they were, which is maybe sixth place in the East. South Carolina looked worse than I thought they would. Now, I, I thought South Carolina was a little overrated, and we talked about that, but I think they're I, – I, nine sacks in a game is terrifying. Yeah, T. Rise out. See, yeah, he knew exactly what I was gonna say. Four, nine sacks is insane. Like, and I don't, I don't particularly know about you know North Carolina's defense or if it's like that, but I'd imagine you. No one was, no one had that on their bingo card that the Tar Heels would get nine sacks. Now, to his credit, though, I think Spencer Rattler had a, had a 
saw the game. Well. I mean, it was, no, he played well. He, I mean, but he his athleticism. I don't. His athleticism reminds me of someone like a Jacoby Brissett, where you think he's athletic, but he's not really that he's athletic. Not. Like he's he's not getting away from anybody, and they can't. South Carolina can't afford. Like he needs the pocket. And without it, he's just going to take way too many sacks. He does need to get rid of the ball, but that line is atrocious. Well, and I'm going to steal a line here because Spencer Rattler was the perfect example of it. Um, I don't know how many of you guys listen to the Solid Verbal, but it's one of my favorite college football podcasts. And one of the things they say about a a one-man team is they're building the whole plane out of that guy. Like, literally, they're building the whole plane out of Spencer Rattler. Like there, did you see how many rushing yards South Carolina had? It wasn't good, but I, no, what it, was it? it was negative two. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> Dang, it was that's... worse than not good, man. Oh, oh, okay. I didn't yeah. know they was gonna be down like that, but um, yeah, they 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 look pretty bad. I they they gave up know. nine sacks. You know how many they had? How many? Zero. One. Oh, not even one. It's so, I mean. You can't rush the passer, you can't protect the passer, and you can't run the football. That's just not oh. a that's just not a, a, a recipe, man. And also, I, you seen Shane Beamer's press conference? Or I have not, no. he said something about uh they was doing an onside kick or something, and he said something like um basically the the chain gang or whatever. They were eating hot dogs on the sideline, so they weren't really like, moving fast enough for them or something. Like they were trying to do something. I guess people on the sidelines that aren't on either team had some problem with it. It just kind of looked bad. Like uh, I, that's oh, yeah. not a that's not good to pin on on them. But you know, yeah. So so South Carolina and Florida maybe a half step. Again, I'm not drawing conclusions for the season in week one, but but those mm-hmm. teams like starts that that kind of gave you hope. Um, you know, Tennessee looked good. Georgia looked good. LSU has freak shows running around on the field. They got they get killed, but they've got good players. So I, I just don't see anything that changes my mind from next week. We are previewing the game that like somebody earlier said this game determines if Missouri's a five-win team or an eight-win team. No, next week is when we start talking about that. Kansas State determines that. Yeah, they they win that, like I told you guys, you know, pretty much this whole offseason, I'm thinking eight and four. They lose that. I mean, I'm expecting it to be a loss for as of right now. I mean, Middle Tennessee, I may even change my whole thing to eight and four, like fully, but I'm expecting it to be a loss at this point. I just need to gauge how well they play or not. If you're getting your blown, your your doors blown off like last year, you're much closer than six and six type of seven and five than you are, you know, like seven and five that's leaning towards eight and four. Yeah, and and I could see I could see Middle Tennessee. I mean, you know, I think Missouri fans looking Alabama beat them fifty six to seven. Like on the right day, Middle Tennessee can win this game, and I could see Missouri having a little bit of a slow start, a little bit of that look ahead, right? Because mm-hmm. there's so much buildup for this K State game that yeah. I could see there being a quarter, quarter and a half where it's like, oh, hang on, you got to do this one first, right? I mean, certainly a trap game. Yeah, I think Missouri will win. Um, Mm -hmm. but I think the fan base would love this one to be over early in the third quarter and Sam Horn to be able to come in and get some reps because they would just feel so much better going into that K-State game. Um, well, I hate to be the bearer of bad news, but if there was any chance for Sam to get extended play 
It was versus a rebuilding FCS team, and that's it's over with. So I don't I'm not very confident that they're just gonna do better and he's gonna have more of a chance to to play, to be honest. Like he's there's no way he's gonna play more than a half of this game, right? But like yeah. I think there's a I think there's a chance he gets the entire fourth quarter this weekend. I mean, it's I a 28 to, he said Drink said that the plan was for Brady Cook to get the first half regardless. Yeah. I don't know. If you're up 28 to three either. or 21 three or whatever, even at 14 three, we were like, okay, this is about the right time to like before it gets out of hand, give Sam Horn, you know, something now. If it takes 28 to three, or it didn't even take that. It was halftime, supposedly. But if you're up 28 to three, you think, okay, maybe he he backs off and he did it. So I I find it hard that Sam is going to get a full quarter. Yeah, it'll it'll be interesting. I mean, after the after the closing, I'm not going to call it a rant because it wasn't a rant. But after the closing salvo on uh, Thursday night, I would be a little surprised if he gets up and actually tells us what he's going to do with his quarterbacks this weekend. But we'll see. Remember, you know, he doesn't want to give too much away. He doesn't want to give away the competitive advantage to to, right. to the Blue Raiders or, or absolutely, man. Hey, I, I mean, I have seen Middle Tennessee win a game in this stadium, and I've they, seen him take another one to overtime. So it is not out of the question. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All right. Well, appreciate you guys hanging out here with us on uh, Monday night. Like I said, we're, we're doing two a week during the season. We're going to talk again Thursday afternoon. We'll do a little bit of a more of a Middle Tennessee State preview. I will not know anything about Middle Tennessee State by then, but Gerard probably will, and we'll have somebody on who will. Um, next week, though, I'll know some things about K-State. I'll be able to name some players next week. So uh, we're, we're, we're getting to my part of the season, man. We just can't <laughs> Okay, I feel it. All right. So appreciate you guys hanging out with us. Uh, if you were on the YouTube stream, um, please hit the like button, subscribe to the channel, do all the things that help more people see the show, which helps us out and uh, in turn makes the products better for you guys. Look, we got a video guy this year. We got a photographer. We got a producer for our post game shows like uh, we're, we're leaning into this. So we appreciate any help you guys can give us, um, uh, to, to help that out. So do all those things that help, uh, more people get eyes and ears on the show. And just as importantly, get in touch with our friend, James Carlton at state farm insurance, carltoninsurance.net 314-961-4800. James got great customer service. He's got a bunch of people. You're going to call his office. You're going to get a human being. If you do it during business hours, if you call him right now, James is probably home watching Clemson and Duke. But if you call him during business hours, you're going to talk to a human being. They're going to take care of you. So appreciate you guys uh, being around. Plenty of stuff all week long. Eli Drinkwitz and players at noon tomorrow. Kirby Moore on Tiger Talk tomorrow night. Uh, Thursday afternoon, we'll have a preview show. So we will talk to you all week long. See you.